0: Hi everyone, it's Margaret here.
1: And Adam, welcome to the Tree Planners podcast. This month we are talking about activism. What got us doing what we're doing now, which mm-hmm. I guess you would call activism. Most people will call advocacy. Call act, advocacy, yeah. yeah. And um, some different ideas, some different ways of thinking about what activi- activism is. Because you and I, while we've been talking about this a little bit,
0: mm-hmm.
1: have kind of arrived at this notion that a lot of people are activists, even though they don't really believe they're activists.
0: Yeah, it all depends on how you define it, right? So um, you could be an advocate in your child's school, maybe you're trying to get them better services, maybe you're trying to bring healthier lunch, maybe you're at your workplace advocating for, you know, a new break room or I don't know, right? And so um, there's this idea that um, if you're not protesting, then you're not an activist. And I think one, we're trying to remove that, that barrier, because I feel, and I think you agree, that if people actually loosen that terminology of what being an activist is and recognizing and advocating for something you really care about in a, in a place that you care about, your, your church, your community, your home, your workplace, your school, whatever, um, that more people would be inclined to take action on other things too, right? So I think the origin stories are really important because it's important to recognize for people that haven't got into advocacy before, don't recognize themselves as advocates or activists, to see how other people have transcended that that role and, and maybe find some similarities in their thinking, right? So that's why I asked you, like, how did you start? And then we were talking about, like, how did I start or, or what was that origin for us?
1: Mm-hmm. And we get into that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also uh, with the origin story, we talk about um, children getting involved in mm-hmm. activism, which we see a lot now with uh, Fridays for Future. Yeah. Uh, which has taken off globally at this point. And we also speak with three people in the area who are activists in different ways, and they all sort of came to it for different reasons. Right. And,
0: and different political affiliations, and some are totally apolitical. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's interesting when you're saying about the youth. I mean, uh, Dave Muslin's book, Teardown, which we both really enjoyed, was going on about how you practice your democratic muscles, right? And Mm -hmm. how you start by getting involved in some small way. And that those become the things that you need as you get on to further challenges or the world gets more challenging. Mm -hmm. And so I think about our origin story and then I think about my son who will probably not have very much time when he was like, oh, I was doing something from when I was little, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, it, it seems like the youth culture now especially with, uh, with the climate is very much, they're, they're not afraid of taking on that challenge and not afraid of there's like this, um, ownership, which is advocacy, which is activism, but I don't even think they recognize that that's what it is. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's just their way of, of being now. Right.
1: Mm -hmm. And to your point, one of the things that Dave talks about in his book a lot is, um, breaking down barriers to Mm -hmm. participation. Activism isn't necessarily sort of a subset of people who are distinct and kind of over there, Mm -hmm. but rather there's perhaps to varying degrees, but activism is probably something that just about everybody uh, engages in. So speaking of origin stories, Mm. what is yours?
0: Oh, we have to do that, do we? Yeah. so uh my origin story was uh i've always been a bit of a pain in the butt i've always been kind of outspoken and you know always willing to push kind of the boundaries of is this okay is that acceptable so before i even got into advocacy within my workplace um pushing for people that you know were getting picked on by management or unsafe work practices or that sort of thing that was always kind of my thing or when i was working in the public system Uh, kids that were relegated to not getting support I was the one to go to the principal I was the one that was fighting at the school board for them so there was always a sense of um, pushing against kind of that status quo and then um, there was a development application that was coming close to home I was uh, off work at the time with my youngest and um I just felt like I need to do something. So I had this weird dream about um, my son and I walking by, there's, I think we were driving by actually in the dream, driving by these fields, which are currently right now farm fields. And then, um, you know, the next day we drive by and it's these ticky tacky houses Mm -hmm. and him saying to me like, mommy, what happened here? And then I said, well, I don't know. I have no idea what happened. So I just couldn't let that stand. And then that's kind of what started. So I got involved with the Payers Association locally and worked really uh, tirelessly with them for a long time and met really good people. And that's, you know, so there, for me, there's an actual time when I feel like I went from advocating in a place that I was meant to be, if you will, mm-hmm. Um, my workplace, home life to advocating in a place where people didn't want you necessarily advocating. I think that's there's a switch for me there mm-hmm. now that I'm thinking about it. Right. It's that it doesn't feel like you're supposed to be advocating with your government. It doesn't feel like you're supposed to be advocating with your municipal council. Like they don't really want you to is the sense that I had always mm-hmm. and that they know better and they've asked these questions. So your help isn't needed. And so I think that's when I made the switch. When I think about the origin story, even though I've always had some tendencies to be a bit of um, a pain, I I advocated in a place where no one invited me, Mm -hmm. right? I wasn't, I invited myself into that space.
2: Interesting. Can Uh you?
1: Well, so you've asked me this before and I've had a hard time answering it. couldn't really put my finger on any one thing, but I come back to how I grew up, which was a little bit of a unique situation. I grew up in an intentional community. It's called Camp Hill. So in these communities, there are usually multiple houses and and the way that they used to work is they used to have families living in those houses, and those families used to life share with people with special needs. So I grew up with an extended family, including adults with, uh, with autism and Down syndrome and, and various other special needs. And I... I mean, I don't know if this is precisely it, but I I have this strong memory or memories of being in public and being acutely aware of the disturbance, I guess, that's that's caused when people are outwardly very different. Mm -hmm. And I remember in myself this tension, sort of anxiety between sort of wanting to not be associated with that, but then also wanting to be associated with that and also really just having to be associated with it whether you know when i was a kid
3: how old i probably
1: well i grew up in it i was 10 months old when my my parents moved down to uh to one in the states and and i grew up there and then but do you have a timeline of like when you
0: remember that kind of tension like was it there from when you were like four or five no when i was that
1: age there wasn't, I, I actually didn't even, I didn't identify those differences yep. um, as such. I, so I was a teenager and I think that's probably sort of what would be expected of teenagers mm-hmm. for the most part. So that tension between feeling sort of uncomfortable and wanting to make something comfortable, mm-hmm. sort of wanting to make something right, I think is is mm-hmm. possibly part of my personality that, that mm-hmm. drives some of my activism, certainly in the social justice uh
0: Yeah. What Dave talks about in his book, the teardown, that, that we have this sense that activism and advocacy involves politics and politics, unless you're a politician or you're paid by politicians or you work for the government, isn't your job. That is not your job. That is not your place. You're not a professional. And so stay out of it. Mm -hmm. And how that's totally, um, I hope that's flipping on its ear that, that, you know, the idea that, democracy belongs to us it's it's a byproduct of our actions not mm-hmm. something that's you know outside of us right so mm. that that tension that you're experiencing is something that i've experienced and i would think a lot of people experience because they want to do something but do you want to be one of quote unquote those people right. Do you know yeah. um to go into a place where you don't belong
1: Cause a disturbance, upset the status quo, make things
0: difficult. And if people really do thrive in community, you are now taking, going from a community that you feel like you belong in your family, your church, your whatever, and moving into a community that hasn't welcomed you. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and not knowing how that that's a, that's a big jump for people. So if they recognize that one, a lot of people have made that jump and that two, that there's a community that's there as well, then that's great.
1: There's some interesting contrasts with, we mentioned a little earlier on with, we mentioned Fridays for Future and the children that are advocating for mm-hmm. action on climate change. And there's interesting contrasts I was thinking about as you were speaking. I've been taking my kids down to Meridian Place mm-hmm. on Fridays for the past, I think we're week 25 or so now. Crazy. Um, we just go down for an hour. Yep. And sometimes it's just a handful of us, and sometimes mm-hmm. there's. Like sometimes several, I make it down. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> Margaret's there, and but but then sometimes some local schools come down, and there'll be mm-hmm. several dozen kids, and it's a great atmosphere. And the kids, just thinking about this tension that we're talking about, it's it's like for the most part they don't have that yet. No. Maybe like they're just.
0: They haven't out learned there, it yet.
1: No, and they're they're, you know, trying to get cars to honk and yeah. shouting these fantastic slogans. Yeah. I've got a little recording here of um uh, of a recent one. yeah,
3: we are unstoppable, another world is possible. We are unstoppable, another world is possible. We are
1: unstoppable. And um they are, I guess, for lack of a better term, kind of just right there in the moment, kind of doing their thing. And they're irreverent
0: about it, right? They don't realize they're irreverent about it, but that's how adults look at them. And like a shout out to a mutual friend of ours, Julie Johnson, who runs an amazing program in Shanty Bay Public School. Mm -hmm. It's called Change Agents. And that is the type of programming coming from a teacher background as also looking at now more of an advocacy-based thing. That is the kind of program where you get kids to do things about stuff that they care about Mm -hmm. and build like an independent project that's okay there's problems in the world and it doesn't have to be environmental she doesn't say you guys have to work on this and i care about this like they pick out of the un global goals but that is them building a community around advocacy whereas adults we've been relegated to our homes to our suburbs to you know i work on that shift and these are the people i know i don't know these people And so that's a big leap for us. Mm -hmm. But watching my own son, who is affiliated with the change agents in Shanty Bay, watching him build a community that's based around, hey, you've been problem solving too? Yeah, me too. This Mm -hmm. is cool. Like I have a connection with you that has nothing to do with our socioeconomic status, with our gender, with our hopes, our dreams, our educations. It's just mostly we share the idea that we can do something about it. And that's Mm -hmm. that's crazy. And that's what adults have to learn from the kids Mm -hmm. is that once you get out and when you listen to to Hale, it was the community that he found by getting active, yeah, that really propelled him in to do more. And yeah. the same for me and I'm sure the same for you, that as soon as you started to find some people, yeah. you're like, wow, these relationships are solid and they're they're built on common values where you don't always have that, right? Just because you're on a baseball team with a bunch of people doesn't mean you actually would be friends if you weren't on the baseball team. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. So speaking of Hale, do you want to set that up?
0: His advocacy is focused more on political Mm -hmm. uh, campaigning and uh, political involvement. And he's uh, is very involved in the local progressive conservative movement.
3: And
1: and he's young and (laughs) he's young. Well, really, really keen to make a difference in his community.
0: Yeah, Yeah, for sure.
1: So we we went and we were chased up and down the street by mosquitoes (laughs) as we talked. (laughs) Yeah. And it was really quite nice.
0: Yeah. So here's Hale.
1: But first, if you like what you hear and you want to support us, head on over to SimcoeCountyGreenbelt.ca and click on Become a Supporter. By supporting us, not only are you helping us continue to make these podcasts, but you are helping us to continue to advocate for a healthy Simcoe County far into the future. A healthy Simcoe County is a Simcoe County that uses its abundant natural resources as a natural solution to climate change. A Simcoe County that values its farmland and agricultural sector. A Simcoe County that has clean and pristine water as well as vibrant and abundant biodiversity in its forests and natural heritage areas. This also means that we develop our urban areas in a way that provides the highest quality of life possible, including opportunities for active transportation, such as walking and bicycling, as well as efficient mass transportation and affordable housing. All of these issues will be covered on future podcasts in depth. So again, please support us by heading to SimcoeCountyGreenbelt.ca and clicking on Become a Supporter.
2: All right. So uh, my name's Hale Mahan. I'm the uh, secretary of the Midhurst Community Recreation Association and the president of the Barry Springwater or Medante PC Youth Association. The first time I kind of got involved, I think. Well, I- I've always been interested in politics from from a young age. Probably about ten or eleven, I was very interested in politics, and but I was never really like kind of actively engaged in politics until uh, the summer of 2017 when I-, I was at a fall fair. and I-, I met a local politician, and we got talking, and so uh, from there that kind of stemmed my political. Engagement. I started attending different events and um, both political and community events um, from there. And so I um, kind of became like a a leader, if you will, in the uh, political and in the community.
0: Was it an issue or was it was an issue that drove you to it or was it just the connection with people um, that you saw as an outlet? Like what was the thing that said, okay, I actually want to make this more than just, uh, hey, I went to a fall fair, met a guy that was really cool. I mean, what was it that made you turn into, gee, I can do this. I can do stuff regardless of age, right?
2: Right. Yeah. So uh, it wasn't any really um, like specific issue, I don't think, but I kind of like started to get involved and then just like talking it to different people and like the sense of community that it built. I think that's why I stayed involved. Mm -hmm. Um, And also like seeing the, you know, the the amount of change that, that you can have, like, be it volunteering for a political party or like organizing a community event or anything like that. So like, you know, the impact that it can have on your friends and neighbors, like if, if you spend uh, months planning some type of an event and then like on, on the day of the event, you see all your friends and neighbors having a good time. Then I, I think that's, that's really what, what sells for me mm-hmm. that in the community aspect of it. Like I've made some, some, uh, great new friends, like met some of the the uh, greatest people that, that you'll ever meet in the community and the, the political atmosphere. Mm-hmm. A little nerve wracking planning those too. Right? A little bit.
0: <laughs> but to your point, when you start to connect with people around a community, around a thought, around a vision, the friendships and the, those connections are much more meaningful than maybe just a random. Hey, I got, I went to the gym and I met some some other person and we seem to, you know, hit it off. It's a little bit different, right? There's right. a bit of a deeper connection there.
2: Yeah, because you're. Like in politics and in community events and whatnot, I think you're the, the reason why it's a bit of a deeper connection. Because it's because you're working towards a common goal. Like, say you're in a political party, you're mm-hmm. working towards a common goal of getting some type of legislation passed, or you're working towards a common goal of planning some community event, or like you know, you're working towards a common goal. And I think that's the reason why the connections that you make and the friendships you make are so much deeper than say just a, a social thing. Mm-hmm. Should we should we walk so yeah. we can sort of escape okay. these mosquitoes? Sure. <laughs>
0: Um yeah, we're doing it outside. So this is like black fly season <laughs> in Ontario.
1: Uh one of the I was thinking uh coming up here, um I I've, I've got something I'm sort of mulling uh in terms of well so uh, every Friday I take my boys down to um Meridian Place in Barrie and we do Fridays for Future and there's some kids that come along, they're fantastic. They, they, they have signs and they, you know, like they have the honk if you kind of sign and they'll stand by the road and they get lots of honks and stuff like that. And I'm a little bit jealous of them because I don't really have the guts to do that at least comfortably. And I was thinking on the way up here that that's at least for me and maybe not for you. Um, but for me, that's kind of something, uh, with activism, which is like part of it is about making yourself like exposing yourself to a level of discomfort, right? Because I guess maybe the payoff at the end is something that you believe would be worth it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes you kind of have to step out of your comfort zone and like put yourself out there and do some things that you're kind of, uh, that you're not necessarily comfortable with doing. Um, Like I remember um, one time during those um, there was a bunch of protests going on against the uh, provincial education changes and i was out there protesting in favor of the changes and mm-hmm. so it was like there was oh there was probably 50 people mm-hmm. you know with their signs and all that and i was the, the, like the only person out there uh, like you know with my pc hat and pc t-shirt mm-hmm. and all that <laughs> protesting in favor of the changes and so yeah. like you know it was it was a bit scary I'll, I'll uh say that for sure because well i was i was uh vastly place, outnumbered really, right? yeah, yeah. Like that that
0: would be pretty uh make you pretty vulnerable right yeah mm-hmm.
2: Uh, Yeah. So then uh, the next day, actually, I was at uh, a PC event and, you know, like all the people were uh, like walking over to me and shaking my hand and just basically talking about how how good it was that I was kind of uh, putting myself out there. Like, you know, like voicing my opinions, really. Mm -hmm. And um, like, I mean, we may like, you know, we may disagree on the political issues, but I I think it's always important to to voice your opinion and uh, Mm -hmm. like to not kind of step back from in your opinion just because other people might disagree with you so that's that's a big thing so uh for
1: anybody out there listening who is you know all of a sudden thinking hey you know there's this that i am really concerned about and i want to do something any sort of words of advice you might have to
2: uh, i would say think about the payoff so if you like really believe in some policy or you really believe that some goal is the the right way to go then um really it shouldn't be about uh whether or not you're too scared to go out there and do it but yeah so you should think about um what kind of an, an like what kind of an impact you're going to have by by doing this and if the impact is great enough and I think that kind of outweighs or it should outweigh um uh, if you feel scared about or, or if you're stepping out of your comfort zone or something like that
0: hmm. we live in my house the rule is fear is never an excuse right You can have fear. That's fine. But it's never an excuse not to do something, except if it's really stupid, like (laughs) jumping off a bridge. That's totally okay. Fear is an excuse there. But unlike non-lethal things, um, you know, it's okay to have fear. It's natural. But living behind that curtain will just insulate you from really finding things. Because we've known each other, Hale, for many years now. And um, full disclosure, he's one of my neighbors. And... um, so I've seen as you've kind of launched into this more active role, uh, you have really like filled yourself out in some ways, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like you seem much more secure in yourself and um, much more engaged, I would say.
2: Right? I agree. Yeah. So it it kind of helped you find yourself, I think. But when you like have a, a particular calling, like when you uh, really believe in something and you try and fight for that thing, I, I, it makes you more confident as a person, I think. So that that's a good thing as well.
1: There's a, um, uh, a saying that I, I'm i going to paraphrase it pretty poorly, probably, but uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez had the saying I saw about um, the fear of public speaking and a mentor of hers a while ago, I guess, sort of told her that the fear isn't necessarily telling you sort of what you guys are saying the fear isn't necessarily telling you to run away it's also sort of telling you that it's something important um that you should pay attention to i guess you know right. yeah i'm par- definitely i'm sure i'm paraphrasing that pretty badly and uh maybe we're just gonna edit all of that out because of the car <laughs> <laughs> so
0: guy, like, but... <laughs> really jamming the tunes here. good beats yeah exactly.
1: Well, thanks, thank, thanks yeah, for doing thank you. this. So, for Hale, it's very clear that the community aspect of it, feeling like he sort of has found a home, is a really key thing for for his participation. There was also he talked about that level of discomfort that mm-hmm. that you mentioned, mm-hmm. and you know, feeling like something wasn't quite right and wanting to sort of then. Put the effort and energy into making things right. Mm -hmm. So working toward that notion of a better world
0: and getting past that discomfort, right? I think I think if you're coming into advocacy for the first time or starting to identify yourself as an advocate, maybe you have been for ages, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, that is what I do." Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody's going to say, "Oh, it was really easy for me. I didn't have any, you know, self-doubt. I didn't have any fear. I just kind of... I mean, that doesn't happen. Everybody goes through those things, right? Mm So. If people are, are expecting this to be all wonderful and easy, it's not, and that's why we're trying to talk about these stories because seeing yourself in someone else's story is really important. So, how do you push through it, right? And um, Keenan has some interesting takes on on how he's pushed through that and how. Well, mm-hmm. you want to introduce Keenan now.
1: Well, Keenan Allen, uh, yeah. So he's he's the next person that we speak to in. A fairly noisy
4: cafe. <laughs> I beg your pardon for that. My name is Keenan Elwin. I'm the Ward Two City Councilor for the, for Barry. So the first thing that comes to mind was uh, back when I was in Grade Three, maybe Grade Two even, um, at the school that I went to at the time, Portage Public School. The principal decided to divide up the school grounds during recess. By uh, primary, intermediate, uh, primary, junior, and intermediate, um, and I had friends. I was in primary, and uh, I had friends in the junior section, and I wanted to play with them at recess. Um, so I thought it was unjust that they would do that. So uh, my sister and I actually started a petition um, with the help of our parents. Yeah. Yeah, we're good. Thank you. So my sister and I started a petition with the help of our parents. And uh, we went around, collected signatures, um, and presented it to the principal. um, And they didn't do anything about it. And then so I continued to break the rules and go and play in the, the, I guess, the junior, the intermediate section of the playground. And I got in trouble for it went and had to, got sent to the principal's office and got detention. Um, and I was furious about it because I felt it was so unjust that we couldn't just play together in the schoolyard. Mm-hmm. Like, that was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's probably the earliest memory of any sort of activism I can think of. Something small. But I think the fact that my parents encouraged us to do that and start a <laughs> petition has definitely shaped the kind of activist I am today.
1: Uh, All okay, right, so let's talk a little bit about what, how to think about that term, activism. What, what uh, I mean, there you saw something that you believe was wrong, and I guess identified with the help of your parents, a few sort of things that you could do to try to make it right. Um, it impacted you personally because you had friends. Um, yeah, oh, wait, what does... When somebody calls you an activist or says the term activism to describe others, what, do you, what does that make you think of? It,
4: um, it makes me think of like the feeling, the feeling in your gut that something is just not right, that doesn't jive with your values and the way you think the world should be, and just the actions you take to change that and to make the world more just and, and fit your values and be the way you think it should be for everyone. Um, yeah, I think my activism, like later in my life, I, uh, at, when I was away at, uni- at university, I uh, was suffering from depression, pretty intense depression. That was pretty intimately connected to my feelings about the way the world works, um, the uncertain future of the world of climate change, um, and that feeling of, of hopelessness and powerlessness that comes along with those things. Um, and so I have found that being involved in, in activism, being involved in efforts to change the way the world works has been incredibly healing. And like it's almost a survival tactic mm-hmm. that if I wasn't doing this work, I would just be back where I was um, before, which is helpless, mm-hmm. depressed, hold up in my apartment, uh, not doing a whole lot mm-hmm. and just avoiding the world. So it's uh, yeah, it's what keeps me going in a lot of ways. Keeps you hope. Yeah, sounds like yeah. And I'm a pretty cynical person. No, uh, but no way. <laughs> pretty cynical person. It doesn't come across. But <laughs> actually, though, I'm saying it's okay. Sort of kidding. Okay, but, but it, it, it really doesn't come across. That's good. That's good because I I, I I try really hard to re- remain helpful <laughs> despite all the the shitty things that are happening in the world and and uh, how we're running out of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, what other choice do we have? But to right. hold on to that hope.
3: Yeah.
4: Um, so, for someone listening who
1: doesn't consider themselves to be an activist, I think most people probably are, even if they, you know, they you know, often are doing stuff that's... Yes. Uh, you know, trying to make the world a better place however that might align with your values and, and vision of what that is um, but to yeah. someone listening who hears the term activist and uh, sort of that's a bit of a foreign thing or they sort of shy away from that or, or they're wondering you know how can I
4: become an activist I guess what, what would you say to somebody? Um, uh, I think we put up like a lot of artificial fake barriers to getting involved in things like activism and politics. Um, I hear people say all the time, like, oh, I, you're you're so involved in politics. I know nothing about politics. I just don't understand it. Like, I don't know how you keep up. I don't know how you follow it. Um, but what I say to that is politics is like just our everyday lives, everything we do and touch. That is formed and shaped by politics. Uh, so, if you're a human being breathing the air, walking down the street, uh, you have a job, um, you access healthcare, like you're just a person living in our society, in our world, mm-hmm. you understand politics because mm-hmm. that's what politics is. You understand activism um, because that it's about our everyday lives and, and changing how our everyday lives work. Um, so, I think we need to. We need to be, as people who call ourselves activists, we need to be conscious of that, I think, and like, make sure that it's accessible to everyone and um, that we aren't um, making it an exclusive um, sort of group. Um, and, and empowering people by, by helping them to realize that, that they're experts, mm-hmm. that if you're, you're living in this world, you're an expert. Mm-hmm. Um, and that their perspective is valuable mm-hmm. and they have something to contribute Very so
1: uh, so that was keenan
0: mm-hmm. i think uh the one thing that was interesting with keenan and i've had this discussion with him before and others was about when people respond with you know i'm not into politics mm-hmm. and i can appreciate why people are into politics because politics right now the level of discourse is terrible mm-hmm. it is um a lot about uh staging a lot about beating chests, a lot about, uh, you know, just politicking for the sake of politicking, right? Mm -hmm. Forgetting about the policies. And I wonder if there's, if democracy and politics are now diverging, right? Where you've got a political world, which is really not, I mean, yes, policies get made. Yes, people are experts within it. But the brand that most people see isn't about a common good. It's not about a greater good. It's really about ideologies. Mm-hmm. And if you had people that said, I'm not an expert in politics, I don't necessarily blame them, but I would at least like them to be able to say, I'm an expert in democracy. Right. And so right. Those, those are two totally different things. What if people said, you know what, I'm not into politics, but I'm in a democracy. And so therefore, I know how to reach my MPP. I know where my municipal council meetings are and when they're held. I know how to uh, request a meeting with X. I know Mm -hmm. some basic things. Mm -hmm. I don't really care um, in the end if they are card-carrying member of any party. And I don't care if they support politician A or politician B, but I would really like them to at least be experts in democracy. And Mm -hmm. I think that's where advocates and community organizers should really push back on stop focusing on trying to get them into politics and start focusing on trying to get them into democracy. Mm-hmm. Cause how, how terrible would that be? How many people do you think would be willing to say like, do you know much about democracy? And they'd be like, yeah, I know nothing about democracy. I, I think most people would actually find that embarrassing to say, right. It's kind of okay with politics because politics is just a cesspool in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Right. But I would like it to get to the point where people are like, Oh, I could never say that I'm not an expert in democracy. That's like actually shameful. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's where I would like it to be. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm okay with, it, with that divergence, um, but I'd like to have community organizers focusing more on, on that engagement in democracy,
1: right? Speaking of community organizers, mm. next up- uh, we'll speak. <laughs> next up is uh, Claire Malcolmson.
3: My name's Claire Malcolmson and I'm the executive director of the Rescue Lake Simcoe Coalition. I think most, most of my activism has been focused on Lake Simcoe and I've been at it for about 18 years now. But I appreciated having the question, what does activism mean to you? And where does it come from in your life? Asked because it helped me reflect <clears throat> on where it came from. Um, so in terms of my, my family history and that influence, I mean, I've grown up with a lot of people who were doing what they could uh, in the public interest. I wouldn't have called them activists, but, you know, my granddad... Uh, became a judge, a Supreme Court of Ontario judge, but he started off uh, with David Lewis setting up the first labor union law practice in Canada. And it was really important. I mean, he came from a family with a lot of money and he didn't have to do that. He Mm -hmm. could have gone on and been an industrialist like everyone else, but he Chose to work in a field uh, to help give people at the lower end of the pay scale the kinds of rights uh, that he thought they were due. So that had a big influence on me and the rest of my family, uh, and other folks in my family are, you know, work for Children's Aid and in legal services and in, um, you know, public mental health and teachers. So i I've, I've been surrounded by people who've been trying to do good for my whole life, and that's a huge influence. Um, I think being an activist. Is a little bit of a departure from that, and I am an activist. <laughs> um, I I was in my son's school character assembly this morning, and it was about responsibility. And one of the quotes was, "Take a stand, take risks, take responsibility." Mm. And actually, I think that's what I'm doing as an activist. You have to be brave. You have to decide when there's a moment where you think this is not okay. You know, I'm I am going to take a stand, and I'm going to see who else can join me Mm -hmm. in taking a stand or I'm going to find out who else is taking the same kind of stand and join them. Um, And then we take risks, right? It's not uh, as a professional activist and I've been working and being paid to do this work for quite a while. um, The money is not great. Mm -hmm. uh, The reliability is not there. You don't have benefits, all that kind of stuff. So it has to come from somewhere deeper, and I think that that actually really is about a sense of responsibility. Um, I, I do feel, you know, as I've been sort of taught by my family, that those of us who can need to stand up for the public interest and we need to do what's best for those without a voice or without power to stand up for themselves. So that could be underprivileged people or people with um you know, mental health problems. Uh, in my case, I've really identified with uh, with the lake, with Lake Simcoe, and with uh, the the right of the environment of the earth, of ecology, of a of a place, of a watershed to exist and to be healthy, mm-hmm. uh, free from uh, really damaging interference. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think that also being an activist involves presenting an alternative vision for how we want our world to be. Uh, that originates outside of the corridors of power. And I've done a lot of work uh, at Queen's Park. And um, those, those corridors of power are filled with lots of people. And many of them are, are there to try to influence decisions uh, to seek profit for themselves or their companies or their shareholders. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, often profit and sustainability can go hand in hand, but it doesn't always. And I think you know, there, there isn't a profit motive behind uh, protecting the environment. And so there are fewer people who are able to step into that space, I think, and and stand up for the environment. And I think those of us who who can do that and want to do that um, need need to do that, need Mm -hmm. to articulate the vision that we have for the future and make sure that we are representing ourselves in those corridors of power. Mm -hmm.
1: So uh, to someone, one of the things that we talked about was fact that there's probably a lot of people who wouldn't call themselves activists, but there are sort of to varying degrees, you know, everybody kind of takes that step forward to affect change in their lives, you know, in, in ways that matter to them that are meaningful to them. But but to someone who maybe is just now thinking about taking that. Uh, maybe a little bit of a bigger step
0: mm-hmm.
1: what would you say about getting involved
3: well it's incredibly rewarding mm-hmm. uh, it's really fun to be on the team that is on the right side of history right you don't want to be on the wrong side of history no mm-hmm. one wants that no one wants to look back on their career and say yeah, i made boatloads of money but i really screwed the planet in the process like how could you be proud of that mm-hmm. uh so so think about where you want to be in 10 years 20 years 50 years do you want to look back on your life and say, I tried mm-hmm. and I'm I did what I can. I mean, it doesn't mean that's the only thing you do. It doesn't mean you don't act like a normal person and, you know, take your kids to school and fill their lunch boxes. And it, it, you still live your life. But if you have everybody has the choice, really, mm-hmm. about what they can do and who they can get involved with. There's a lot of distractions in this world, a lot of stuff that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so filtering out that kind of clutter, I think, is really important and making sure you have time for fun and and the things that enrich your soul. But I would suggest that one of those things is being the people that are doing good work as well, that are trying to make a change, that are that are exercising their power, even though they may not have much money or influence. They're you know out there trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's important to be strategic and to be smart. I think people get uh, burnt out on activism because they're not strategic and smart and they're not winning. It's really good to win. Mm-hmm. I've been involved in a number of wins I'm really proud of. And and largely that's because I was aligned with people who, who had experience and who knew what they were doing and were smart and wanted to sit down and figure it out and collaborate. Um, it, that's a really important step because nobody wants to be you know, pissing in the wind, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you wanna win. Yeah. <clears throat>
5: Next month we're going to be focusing on upstream downstream activism. Uh, It sounds pretty boring but it's actually pretty interesting so for instance it is the distinction between addressing poverty by buying somebody a meal or maybe giving somebody bit of money versus systemic issues that create poverty in the first place. In other words, it's sort of the distinction between giving somebody a fish and teaching somebody how to fish. Also just wanted to address the fact that the length of these episodes is creeping up. We do really want to keep them a little bit shorter, closer to 20 minutes. We are going to try to do this. But that might involve either doing two episodes or we'll just have to really get heavy handed with our editing. Anyways, onward and upward. See you next time.